I've been sitting there, been looking at this picture on my phone for 30 minutes because I've had a picture of the old game Operation. I don't remember. Who here, who here remembers the game? A lot of people remember. I mean, I don't need to show it to you, but so I've been sitting. So I thought it was going to be part of maybe what I was going to get into, but I think I need to participate with this because I've been staring at that on my phone about the game Operation and I knew somebody in here had an operation maybe coming up soon. Is there anybody that has an operation coming up soon? Is that So all I know is that I'm trying to bring my faith in and pray that the Lord is the steady hand. And that's the word. Because in that game, it's, it's about having a steady hand. And he has a steady hand on whoever is in the room that has concerns about the operation or whatever it is that needs to be done to go wrong. And so that's what I'm, I'm just joining in that. And I believe the Lord wants to release, you know, his steady hand into the situation. And if it's healing, let's see the Lord bring healing. Y'all, y'all remember that game? Yeah. things that are inside that that don't belong. If you look at that game, there are things inside the body that aren't supposed to be in the body naturally. If you look at the game, there's there's a a, a chicken bone or something in there. There, (laughs) There's a bunch of stuff that's abnormal that's not supposed to be in the body. And if, 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 if I hear what I'm interpreting right, the Lord wants to take the things that are in us that are not supposed to be in there, and he wants to use his hand to come in this morning, and he wants to remove those things that are not supposed to be there. Amen. That's awesome. So that should boost our faith a little bit. You know, you receive by faith. That's how you do it. He has the steady hand, Jesus, and he's going to touch us right now. Let's just believe that. All right, Lord, we just lift up our needs to you. Holy Spirit, you already know it. But we lift up our needs to you, whether it be physical or whatever. And Lord, we trust you. Father, we just say that right now. We trust you. We trust you with everything in our life, Lord. We trust you with our kids. We trust you with our marriages. We trust you with our bodies. We trust you with every aspect of our life. We give you control. And Father, we're not steady hands. Sometimes we need to take our hands off of some things so that we can let the good doctor come in and fix it the way it needs to be fixed. And so, Lord, knowing that we don't have steady hands, Lord, we're going to humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt us due time by casting all our care upon him because he cares for us. You know how to fix it. You know how to direct our life. We surrender to you by trusting you, Lord. And so, Lord, Holy Spirit, we ask that you just brood and move right now and just touch people right now. Lord, come and touch people. Heal body parts Heal emotions. Heal things that are hurting. Holy Spirit, come and release your healing right now in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Just wait a second. Just wait. We don't don't need to be in a hurry. Just wait. All right, I just saw something. 
I'll have to give you a little bit of backstory, unfortunately, but I just saw a pry bar, and I know what this is speaking of. I've been dealing with some health issues, as y'all know, for a while, and I've been standing in faith and believing God, and I'm not backing down. I'm healed. That's just the way. It's just the way it is. I'm healed. But I did a few weeks ago, I asked the, the leadership team when we meet on Monday, I just asked a few of them. I think it was uh, Lonnie and uh, Paul. It was, uh, um, and maybe Josh, I can't remember, uh, but a few of us, I asked them to pray for me. I don't know why, I just felt, I was like, guys, why don't y'all pray for me? Just, you know, and when they started praying for me, I saw two things really quick. It like real quick just popped in my head, bam, bam, bam. I wasn't trying to see anything, but I saw this monkey wrench and I saw this pry bar. Well, being in construction, I understood the monkey wrench is called in when things are having trouble being loosened with your normal hand tools, this monkey wrench comes in and it can be tightened up in such a way to give you the leverage to, to undo this thing that won't come loose, this nut that won't come loose, and it undoes it. Well, the pry bar is the same thing. It gives you leverage to pry things off when you're demoing that normally you, wouldn't, you couldn't pry with your own strength, but with but with the, the, the crowbar or the pry, the pry bar, you can pry it loose, okay? So what does all that mean? Well, what I felt like the Lord was telling me is that sometimes, sometimes we need a brother or sister to agree with us and combine fate with us. And as I was doing that, it was the monkey wrench or the pry bar that was helping give it that extra leverage, that extra torque to break things off. Does that make sense? So what I want to do now is I, I, if, you're, if you've been struggling with something for a while, let's just take a few minutes, find some people around you, and pray for them. Allow them to pray for them, to, to, to agree with your faith. Find out what it is, and let's pray. So if you, if you want prayer for something that you've been struggling with for a while and you need that monkey wrench, you need that pry bar, just, uh, just keep standing up. And then those that are sitting... Please go around and agree with uh, our brothers and sisters. Come on, body. Come on, church. Let's be the church. All right. Jonathan, come on up. Wild man. <laughs> Jonathan Blanchard. Well, Lord, we thank you for Jonathan. We thank you for the gift that he is to the body. Holy Spirit, we want to hear what you're saying through him. So, Lord, please speak to us and release whatever's on your heart to us. Our eyes are on you, Lord, in Jesus' name. All right. Well, oh, yeah, this is good. I can hide behind the, the laptop. So that's a pretty, pretty good way to get, I guess, get a meeting started is to have people who can be sensitive to go in a direction that's not necessarily planned, and that's right inside my train of thought because uh, – I'm always willing to stop on the tracks and take a detour if necessary. So I'm going to start off with a, a story, something that, that I uh, – do I need to lower that laptop a little bit or is, am I good? Can you see my face? <laughs> I was at an urgent care. When was this? So I use – you know, who needs a – piece of paper these days when you can just note everything, you can record it all. Like I just take my dreams and I just hit audio and I record the dream and go back and listen to it. I quit writing things a long time ago. 
So I was at an urgent care back in November, and I was sitting there, and there was a lady across the, the waiting room, and I just looked at her, and I said, you know, do you believe God does miracles? You know, I'm just a stranger. You know, I have no problem just starting a conversation with someone in public. It's just, you know, <clears throat> just the way that I'm wired. And so she responds to me, you know, because she's in an urgent care, so obviously she's got something wrong. You don't go to an urgent care because you feel good. But I just wanted to find out what she would respond to on this question. And she goes, I believe the universe does miracles. I said, okay. I said, that something does miracles. Now, this is, this is just an honest answer. Hey, this is where her mindset is. And she says that no one person could handle that kind of pressure, implying that no one is powerful enough for that kind of responsibility. Well, she makes an argument that no one is really capable of handling that kind of pressure. But, you know, when you start getting into the supremacy of a creator, that changes everything. And so then she, you know, she says, I could use a miracle right now, though. And I said, well, okay, that's a good start for me. Because, I, I mean, I didn't pray for this individual. I just wanted to find out how she would respond to a question in this situation. And so she commented with what I think is an amazing understanding of, of the reality of how we think until God changes the way we think. Because this is a true position of how people feel when it comes to receiving something. She commented that if a miracle happened, it would have a string attached. She did not think that someone or something would just perform a miracle for her without paying for it or having to do something for it. How many people do not feel worthy for God to do something for them because of what they carry around inside their life? Is that not something that even is a reality even after we start walking with God, even after we've believed him? We still wrestle with that in the process of coming to understand his nature. See, this isn't, this isn't just a thought of an individual. This is the fruit of the fall of man. You know, we, we deal with this because it's in our nature. Now, that's not the subject that I'm going into, but it all ties in because my subject this morning was really centered on releasing faith. So there's been nothing this morning that hasn't detoured from where I was even going from the beginning because everything that's been happening in the room is in the direction of releasing faith. When Josh started singing that song that spontaneously came to him, the song that was titled, the, what was it? It was, don't make it complicated, let the frustrations go. He was releasing faith. Something shifted in the room and people, you could tell people were opening up because the atmosphere had shifted because he started releasing faith. And so I want to start off with, you know, we all have an ability to release faith. And the number one thing that every single person carries is a testimony. You know, the definition of testimony by the Webster's version, which is very similar to the Greek, so it wasn't a point for me saying it twice, but it's a formal written or spoken statement, especially one given in a court of law. It's evidence or proof provided by the existence or appearance of something, a public recounting of religious conversion or experience. 
So a testimony is basically something that we carry because we've gone through an encounter and experience, and now we basically can talk about that. And you know, this morning, I know that I'm supposed to give part of just an account of who I am in front of you guys. Because, you know, I'm, I'm here, and you can't have a relationship with everybody at meetings. You have to spend time with people. But I was like, I have to give my testimony a little bit so you can get to know a little bit of the nuts and bolts of why is Jonathan sitting in this chair, and why do I do what I do now? Because I have a testimony. And no one's probably really heard my testimony other than my immediate family and some of my friends that have seen me, but my testimony, you know, started really at 18, but my mom was the original sower of the seed in my field. She planted that truth, and you know, and I was a bad child. (laughs) I was a bad child, and you know, I didn't start off like that. I mean, I was honor roll all the way into like sixth grade. I was advancing, I loved school, I loved doing homework, I loved cleaning the house. I mean, I was the guy doing, I was the kid that was doing laundry at five. My mom still can testify. He was doing his laundry at five years old. And I'd get angry at my dad or my mom if the house wasn't clean. But when sixth grade hit, oh my goodness, did the world just not open its door to me and boy, I went in it. I was doing drugs at 12. Oh yeah, I mean, I was hooked in doing things at 12 that I was not supposed to be doing. I was looking. Then you had VHS tapes. Oh, man, the VHS tapes came in, and my mind was completely polluted with things that I was not supposed to be looking at that God has created that's supposed to be personal and intimate between men and women. You know, I was, oh, man, I started getting so angry. I was an angry kid. I mean, I was mean. I was super mean. I was the guy. I was the bully at school. I was the rebellious kid, yes. But man, I said, if I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it 100%. And I mean, I got to the point where the first time I stole something, I stole something from the Walmart at Monkey Junction. It was a six-pack battery from my Tyco remote-controlled car. I had so much conviction and guilt that I actually snuck it back in the store and put it back on the shelf. See, I knew conviction very well growing up. I mean, it it literally lived on my sleeves. And that was because the Lord had planted something in me through the words of my mother. I knew guilt. Guilt is a function of the Holy Spirit. John 17 makes it very clear. You know, I got to the point where I got so frustrated and angry of feeling guilty that I severed every ounce of my conscience so that I wouldn't feel pain when I did bad stuff. I hardened my heart so bad. I was like, I'm going to do stuff, and I'm going to do bad stuff, and I'm not going to feel bad for doing it. And when that happened, man, it just was like the floodgates of hell in my life or whatever. I mean, I was in fights all the time. I had no problem getting into an argument. I had no problem getting into a fight. And if someone wanted to bring a fight, I'd be the first person there to like, let's, let's, let's dance, you know? And that's my personality. And so I felt like I was supposed to share some of who I am because some of the greatest boasts that the devil has is that he can save a man, but God can't change a man. God can save you because that's easy, but he sure can't change you. He's sure not going to be able to get you to stop doing the things that you've been doing. But isn't that the specialty of a creator is to take someone and then create a whole new creation 
inside of them and make them something that they were not. But he, all he's really doing is he bringing them to a place of what they were already designed and called to be. You were already created and called to be this. It's just there was a, a space that stopped that from happening, which was you know the fall of man. The Lord has to come in and, and restore and he has to redeem. And so, you know, into high school, I was, you know, I don't need to get into all the details because that's a long journey. But, you know, I, I had no concept of relationship. I had tremendous loneliness. I mean, I always thought that if I had a girlfriend that everything would be fine. And boy, was that was like, oh, I just need to have one girlfriend one girlfriend and everything will be fine. And it never worked. It just never worked. The idea of my longest relationship lasted like probably three months in high school. And it wasn't until I really got married that, that I actually had a real relationship that I was actually interested in being committed to. So I'm sharing all this because I have to make myself tangible. I have to, you know, I have to let people know that, hey, I have a testimony. And the number one thing that testimony does is it releases faith. It releases something spiritually in the atmosphere. And so, you know, when we give an account, number one, that spoken statement of you testifying of what God has done for you destroys the work of the enemy. You know, God's not really impressed by anything we do but he is impressed by our faith. And that's very scriptural in the sense that it says you can't even please God unless you're moving in faith. It's impossible. It's actually something you can't even accomplish with God unless you move in faith. And so the faith of the centurion, you know, that is an amazing revelation that that is when God actually marveled when he was walking. He didn't marvel at a lot, but he marveled when he saw the faith of the centurion. This is a very prophetic teaching platform of the Morning Star, and I love the prophetic. But God has not marveled when we get a piece of information about somebody. He has not marveled at a word of knowledge or a word of wisdom. He's not marveled at anything that we can do. He is marveled, though, when we move in faith, and we need the prophetic, and we need the ministry of the prophetic to happen because what does it do? It releases faith where faith doesn't exist. But that's not the only application for stirring faith in an atmosphere. It's one. It's one piece of the puzzle, and it's very important. It's very important that that people who are hungry for that prophesy according to the faith, like it says in Romans. But here's the other thing is, when you start giving an account of your testimony, it creates common ground for you to be tangible for the person next to you. If people don't think that God would do something for them, but they'll do some, that God would do something for you, then that, that makes a disconnect. But if you can actually get someone to believe as a result of you just sharing what God has done for you, that is demonstrating the power of God because you are literally stirring the darkness around you because you have become a light. You are demonstrating the truth by verbally speaking it and you start literally attacking unbelief that's around you. 
It's on the video. (laughs) So here's the thing. It will provoke others to faith when you start giving testimony. And it will also provoke others to unbelief and criticism. It will. Oh, God didn't do that. (laughs) That was just your body healing itself. No, man. (laughs) That was, you know. So, you know, why is testimony extremely valuable? Because number one, it's part of who you are. It's part of who I am. It is a, a, literally a, a foundation, a DNA inside your body. If it wasn't for that testimony, you wouldn't even have a foundation with God. Where was I when the Lord spoke to me? I could tell you I wasn't being very righteous and clean and holy. And I'd like to meet one person in the last thousand years who can say, well, when God spoke to me, I was already living a pure life. Okay, well, you know, maybe, maybe you might be a one. Maybe there was a Samuel. You know, Samuel was growing up in the temple, and he did not necessarily have a chance to fall into some distractions and traps, but, you know, I'm sure he wasn't necessarily perfect, you know? <laughs> so Revelation chapter 12 Verse 10 through 11. If, if, uh, see, I'm doing some teaching today, you know. I don't mind teaching. Sometimes I wonder if, if I'm going to teach, but then something happens in the room and my emotions get stirred and I have to get up and, you know, <laughs> and then I get loud. I just like someone to read this because I'm not going to, I didn't write it on my notes. So who has a Bible or the notes open and who can read Revelation 12? Verses 10 through 11. i got a volunteer. All right. Yeah, well, you raised your hand. And I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brethren has been thrown down. Who accuses them before our God day and night? And they overcame him because of the blood of the lamb and because of the word of their testimony. And they did not love their life even to death. You know, this is really an amazing point that should establish authority in every believer's life because we have authority. If you don't know the authority that you have been given, then you can't wield it. The only way that we overcome the work of the enemy is by the word of our testimony. That's it. Unbelief, discouragement, lack of vision, hopelessness, anything that the enemy has stirred around you, even to this morning today, it all shuts up and it all loses its power when you start using your words and your testimony and the blood of Jesus combined, period. It has to shut the voice of the enemy up. Giving testimony will create disturbance in the atmosphere around you. It will birth faith where faith does not exist. It will be a demonstration that brings light into darkness because you are being a witness to what God has done for you, which gives you the authority to address something that's coming at you. The Samaritan woman, she was an amazing voice of testimony. 
So she gets a prophetic word. She gets words of knowledge demonstrated to her because Jesus says, I'm gonna talk to you about the things that are in your life that nobody else knows, that I know. It's important that we can move in revelation because see, it's not about, it's not about exalting the gifts and the talents. It's about people have needs. And one way that God meets a need is he begins to share information with people so that that need can be met. See, it's, when I go to meetings, I ask the Lord, well, what are the needs in the meeting? There's going to be different people in every meeting. But I need to know what the needs are because if I can't help you meet the needs of what is in the meeting, then I have failed at my job. If someone leaves and the Lord wasn't able to meet that need, that's very heartbreaking for me. But I can't meet everybody's need. But, the, but when you get the body together, and people start functioning, there's a way to meet more needs because now you have more people moving in faith who can release stuff that you can't release. So I'm going to read John chapter 4 because I think the Samaritan woman in this particular story is, is one of my favorite stories because of the level of revelation that comes out of this particular subject. You know, Jesus was pushing the social boundaries like no end here. I mean, he, he was going against anything that was politically correct or anything that would cancel culture. He was talking to, number one, a woman. And in fact, then he was talking to an, a Samaritan woman. He was double whamming against the system. Number one, men don't talk to women like that. And number two, you don't talk to Samaritans if you're Jewish. And when the disciples came back, they were terrified to even ask him why he was even doing it. Hey, why are you talking to that woman? Uh, you go ask him that. <laughs> you go ask him and see what he says. I mean, look at in today's world. Look at all the social clamor that's going on. You don't talk to these people. You don't associate with these people. I mean, this cultural dynamic that's happening in our country is only going to continue to get worse until the revelation of God and the knowledge of God comes in and fixes it. It's real simple. I mean, it, God has every answer to every human dilemma. There's only one thing in the way, the arrogance of man. If man would humble himself, remove the pride, get rid of the arrogance and say, God, I need you to fix this, how do we fix it? Well, then God will come in and he will redeem and he will restore. I personally believe the number one thing that really needs to happen above all is just gets down to simply as healing. People don't medicate when they're whole. People don't accuse when they're whole. People don't stab each other in the back if they're whole. You know, I'm going to get to John eventually uh, <laughs> here in my Bible Maybe next time I do some notes, I'll actually just put the scripture verse on my screen. So we're going to go four and we're going to go 39. Okay, I'm getting there. Okay. Many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me all that I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them, and he stayed there two days. And many more believed because of his word. They said to the woman, it is no longer because of what you said that we believe, 
For we have heard for ourselves and we know that this is indeed the Savior of the world. There are two dynamics that happen around you when you start giving testimony about what has happened to you and what you start telling people. Number one, it sparks an interest. It will spark faith. And then it will cause them to question, why are they believing you? And then they'll have to find out the second answer is, well, I believe it from myself. If nobody gives testimony of what God has done, then people will not believe. But then they turn around and say, well, we don't believe you because of what you said. Now we believe it because I've heard it from myself. And isn't that what Jesus told Peter? Now that you've gotten it for yourself, Peter, because flesh and blood didn't reveal this to you, but my Father in heaven, now I'm going to build a church stronger than anything that anybody has ever seen, and the gates of hell will fall because I'm building something on a revelation where people will know me for themselves and they won't just know about me through others. And the Holy Spirit brings the revelation of God because he searches the deep things of God and he makes them known to us and now we literally carry the presence of God everywhere we go. The tragic thing is there are still many dynamics happening in the church where leaders and pastors are building mass movements and people are still not getting connected to the source. They're getting connected to ministries. They're getting connected to organizations, but they leave those organizations, they leave those meetings, and they wonder why they're still frustrated. And they wonder why nothing's changing in their life because they're not connected and they're not believing for themselves and they're not hearing for themselves because unfortunately, this is the truth about the condition of certain ministries is they are concerned more about building the ministry than necessarily carrying the message or the revelation that is actually going to pay a price. Well, and it is. It is, man, I feel a little bit of preaching anointing so I'm going to sit down. <laughs> so, but you know, the thing is, I have testimony. You have testimony. When you share that, even if you don't have anything to say to somebody, you can say, well, I know what God has done for me and I know he'll do the same thing for you. But you gotta believe him. You've got to believe that he will do that for you. Just like that lady I spoke to, the urgent care. Well, why would somebody do that for me unless there was a string attached? Because we have a mindset in the fall of man that we need to earn our wrongdoings to be made right. I don't even know they've made sense. <laughs> we have to make our wrongdoings right by earning it. Well, I had a word for... <laughs> Stop for a second. What was that word? Mr. Fix-It and DIY. When I was praying, I saw Mr. Fix-It. God is Mr. Fix-It, but in the kingdom of God, there is no DIY. There is no do-it-yourself in the kingdom of God. Period. You can do nothing apart from me. But if you're in me, nothing is impossible. The reason why there's so little power in the church is because the church is doing the DIY thing. 
The church is, this, this is all coming hot off the press right now. When the church realizes that we can't do it ourselves, the power of God will start manifesting when we start moving in faith and we start pleasing God and we start realizing that he has already accomplished everything that he's going to do. And now he has said, here it is. Believe me when I say that I have given this to you, now start demonstrating it. And when that centurion marveled Jesus, all he said was, you just say the word, man. You don't even have to be there. The reality is we really move in very little faith. The truth is we are going to start learning how to move in faith because we're going to start agreeing with God and we're going to start destroying unbelief because we're going to say, God, let's just be honest about this. I believe you on some things, but I don't believe you on everything. <laughs> you know, and, and the reality is we just have to start telling the Lord that we are agreeing with him, I will believe you. I will step past my own understanding. I will step past what doesn't make sense. And if you said it, then I agree with it. It's just that easy. You said you can do it, I agree with it. I don't know how you can do it, and I can't explain it, but if you said you can do it, I say you can do it. It's just that simple. I am destroying the work of unbelief in, in this thing right here. I've got unbelief, but I, you know what? If I can release faith, I can also release unbelief. If I can release courage, well, I can also release discouragement. Fresh water and salt water don't come from the same well. They can't. But I can tell you what, we just start agreeing with God and believing that he is who he says he is, the authority of who he is in us will overshadow and destroy every unbelief, every discouragement, every hopelessness. And you don't have to be mature to do this. You just have to be in agreement with God. Because listen, we're all in the process of maturing. If God had to wait for us to be mature before we actually started helping people, oh my God, we'd just shut the doors and go home. <laughs> That's not gonna happen. You know, this revelation is true now. You are perfect right now. Right now. I am perfect and you are perfect. If you leave out of this room today, one thing you carry with you is you are perfect in the sight of God. Because the blood of Jesus brings you into perfection with God. Sanctification is definitely a process that we're all in. And we're all being matured, but we are now perfect. You're perfect tomorrow. You'll be perfect in six months. That doesn't mean you're not going to reap some of the fruit of some bad decisions, because that's how we learn. You know, Jesus was tempted in every way so he could learn obedience from the things he suffered. And in Hebrews, it says right there in chapter two that he shared in humanity. He became flesh and blood so that he could relate to how we had to deal with life. The testimony is a position of authority. It is. Anything the accuser says to you, anything that comes to you from someone that doesn't believe, it doesn't matter because your testimony has overcome the world. 
You have overcome the world through your faith. Jesus has the authority because of his act of obedience. His testimony, which is one of his names is, he is the testimony, but his testimony upholds evidence and a proof in a court of law in God's hand. It is a legal battle from day one. From day one, this is all in a court of law. You are now justified. You are now redeemed. And you can testify about the resurrection and you can testify of being cleaned up. Man, thank you, God, for getting me out of the ditches that I used to lay in on the side of the road, using the bathroom on myself from being drunk the night before. Laying drunk on a lifeguard stand, partying. This is my testimony. I got an encounter with God on a lifeguard stand reading a book. And three days later, man, it all went haywire. I was the guy you couldn't shut up. I went to the mall, and man, I was... Everybody from school that I saw, I was like, I walked right up to him and I said, you know what I found out? I said, I found that I was going to hell, but I'm not anymore. And all my buddies looked at me like, what is this? I mean, they looked at me with their jaw dropped. And I said, yeah. And I went around to like a dozen people. My sister was there. And I said, I got to tell every single person that I knew from school what has happened in my life. Yeah, I was the zealous down your throat. You need to understand what just happened to me. I've, I did, you know, I have to remind myself that I actually saw some of my friends come to the Lord. I just, you know, one guy, he, he saw what was going on with me, and six months later, he goes, man, what is going on with Jonathan? And sure enough, man, he's like, he had an encounter, and we started going to church, and, you know, it just, you forget the fruit that your life is bearing sometimes. Because, you know, God is the God of the harvest. One sows, one waters, and one reaps. You never know what your life is doing. And I think one day when we get before the Lord, you're gonna, he's going to go back and he's say, you know what? You forgot about all this stuff here that you did. And look at all the ripple effects. It happened. I mean, who was it uh, that one guy led Billy Graham to the Lord? He had no idea that one person was going to... He, that guy's bearing fruit for the work that Billy Graham did. You know, the kingdom of God is a bank. <laughs> It is a spiritual bank. It says, store for yourself up in heaven treasures. There's no 401k in heaven, let me tell you. (laughs) There's no 401k up there. But there is an opportunity while we're on the earth to store up something that when you stand before the Lord, he's going to say, you have stored up this much in inheritance because you were willing to follow me and you were willing to testify about me. And it says that he will give us a hundredfold if we follow him. A hundredfold. I ain't worried about getting money in the bank. I'm trying to find out how do I store up something that when I get up there, I might have more than anybody else. (laughs) We're on a race. You know, Paul says in the race, only one person gets the prize. But see, God loves that zealous, passionate, give it to me before you give it to somebody else attitude. And you know what? That is the truth. He is wanting us to fight over the things of God so that he can give it to amongst all of us. (laughs) That's the way I think sometimes. I'm not that self-centered in the sense that I would try to hurt somebody. Say, well, you know, you're not going to get it before I get it. (laughs) You hear the heart behind it. You know, isn't that the birthright? Selling a bowl of stew for something. So our testimony establishes our position of authority. And when we stand on this evidence and the proof 
that he has accomplished for us personally and we declare it to others, you better believe you're gonna start seeing some sort of effect come out of your life. Something is gonna happen. Either people are gonna start believing you or they're gonna start rejecting you or they're gonna start questioning it, but something will be stirred. But nothing is gonna be stirred if you're not willing to talk about what God has done for you. I mean, I sometimes, you know, people ask me what I'm doing. I say, well, I'm busy this morning. And there's some friends of mine, and I said, well, you know, I'm going to church. I got to teach this morning. And they're like, you know, they're not on the same page as me, and I got to just get over it. You know what? I'm teaching at church this morning, you know. (laughs) Okay. You'd be surprised. Most people don't really care too much about what's happening in your life because they're so consumed about what they're doing in their own life. (laughs) I mean, think about it, you know. No one's really paying attention because they're too busy focusing on themselves. (laughs) And they're really, you know... And if people are paying attention, because they, they have nothing else to do, maybe. <laughs> I don't know why that's funny, but, you know, a little comic relief. So here's the thing. We can release discouragement, but we can also release courage. We can release unbelief, and we can release faith. And it just keeps going on and on. Whatever spirit is that we need, we need to release that in the opposite of what the enemy is trying to do. You know, recently I've, I've had this discontentment in my life, and I've started trying to understand why is nothing making me happy? And this is in the last several weeks. I was like, I have everything going fine, but something's missing. Something is missing. No matter what I do, no matter what I eat, I find that something is not there. And man, I started getting this revelation that I understood what Jesus really said with the woman at the well. The disciples come back. They're all shaking in their boots because they're afraid to ask him why he's talking to a woman. And they said something to the effect like, well, we brought you food, right? And what does Jesus say? He goes, I have food you don't even know what you're talking about. I've got food that you not know of. And they were like, does someone feed him? Someone bring him a sandwich? And I'll tell you, I learned something this last few weeks. I've experienced it, and I was like, this is why I feel so empty right now. Is that I have been taking a break from doing things with the Lord, and as a result of that, I have noticed a lack of fulfillment or an appetite that is driving me crazy. And it's not that my identity is in ministry, But there is a overflow and a power and a fulfillment that comes when you engage with God and you release the kingdom. That is food. I have noticed that when I have done things like that, I'm not even hungry. I could go days without eating because I'm literally feeding on something that my physical body overshadows. There is a place in God that when you do his will, when you are participating with him, you get fed in a way that you never thought you'd be satisfied. And when people start learning the addiction that comes by helping people with God and the power that comes through you and you can channel the kingdom, it will create a massive move. It'll become addicting. To me, ministry is addicting. It is, there is nothing that makes me more alive when I know I have to be put number one in a place of risk and I got to be willing to talk about something that I'm seeing that no one else may understand. <laughs> you know? So in a nutshell, it doesn't matter if you have the most strategic ministry gifts. 
It doesn't matter if you're seeing healings. It doesn't matter if you can, you know, what does it say? If you can ravel the mysteries of God and you can fathom all knowledge of God, but you can't connect with someone because they can't figure out that you love them and you just can't give them a testimony, it, it really means nothing. But we have authority in God because of the testimony of what Jesus has. And, you know, here's the thing. We have testimony, but Jesus has a testimony. He can refer back to the devil and say, well, you know what? I've been there. I did that. And now I have authority because I went through the gates of hell and I came out of it and I've got an encounter that, that I never thought I'd have to have. But he had to experience a separation from God for the first time ever. And now he has authority because he went through that. He overcame it. And his testimony and the blood is what destroys everything that the enemy comes at us with. Don't forget the power of what you have with God because of what he has taken you out of. And it says that the woman at the well, she had many people believe all because all she did was just stop. She wouldn't stop talking about what Jesus did for her. Doesn't say she performed a miracle. Doesn't say she prophesied the mysteries of the great deep. She just said, meet a man, and this is what he did for me. She was so touched, she couldn't stop talking about it. And you know, this should be a word of encouragement to all of us. We cannot forget how valuable our testimony is. Because when you think about it, I mean, what else can I give the Lord? What else can I really give you? Give you my faith, I give you my affection. So that, that's kind of the subject, you know, we, we releasing faith today. Does this hit home with some people? <laughs> We're releasing faith. You know, I love that because, um, you know, the, is, there's a couple people in Scripture, that, well, a lot of people in Scripture, but another one I was thinking of is the demoniac. He wanted to go with Jesus after he was set free, but instead the Lord said, no, go back to your hometown and tell them all that I have done for you. And the Scripture says he went to Decapolis, which is a 10-city region across the Galilee. And he went there, and it says that, um, that all were amazed. His testimony turned the, a 10-city area upside down for the gospel. It says all were amazed. Don't say you don't have something that will help somebody. Don't say it, because if God's done anything in your life, you now have something that will turn the world upside down for Jesus. And I'll just say this real quick, and then we'll wrap up. I remember doing evangelism. I've done a lot of street evangelism over my lifetime. And there's those people that you come in contact with, and you're talking to them, and nothing's registering. And I've noticed there were times when I would talk with someone that it wasn't until I just began to get real and start telling them about what God did for me that all of a sudden the walls began to fall down and you began to see the reality of that I'm just, a, I'm just flesh and blood, I'm weak just like you are, and, but God did something for me and it releases what Jonathan's talking about. So this is a, a right on word. I've got a, another interpretation for that operation, 
thing too. Yeah. I would just give it out for a second. So here's the second part of this this picture I saw for operation. It's a eye and hand coordination game. Booker James is very clear that faith without works is dead. The Lord wants our eyes and our hands to work together. And he doesn't want us to be trembling in the process of being concerned or dealing with fear. You know, fear is just a distraction. That's all it is. But, you know, in the game of operation, most people are trembling because they're trying to avoid touching the sides and they're using their eyes and they're using their hand at the same time. You cannot move in faith and do works with God if the spirit of fear has gripped you. And you know what? I don't have to pray for fear to leave. I just have to encourage you that you don't have a spirit of fear, but you have a spirit of love and power and a sound mind. And you have to believe that what I'm telling you is not my words. They are the words of God. You have a spirit of love, power, and a sound mind. So anytime fear gets in your way, you just say, you know what? The only way I'm going to deal with this is I'm going to do what I feel like I'm not supposed to do. I'm going to do it anyway. And you'll see that thing die so fast. People have fear. I said, well, I'm going to give you something to overcome. I'm not going to pray for fear to leave. I'm going to say, I want you to go out there and I want you to talk to somebody because that's going to scare you to death. I want you to go face it. If you have fear, just face it. And you, you literally would destroy it. It will lose a grip on you so fast. And you have to believe that that spirit is in you. The Lord wants us to have faith and works, but he doesn't want us trembling when the opportunity comes for us to reach in someone's life and pull something out of their body they don't need. And that's what he needs. He needs us to be his hands and his eyes so that we can operate on people. And that's when we see the needs and that's when we really get a heart for moving in the power of God because we need the power of God and we need the love of God and you can't separate the two. And we need everything that God has set in front of us so that we can literally operate on people's souls. Amen. Thank you, man. Awesome. Good word.